that is our testimony and we're living by faith trusting the Lord both for now and for eternity this morning we're going to continue our series of lesson on godly traits that God is looking for in, in all of us in all of his children and the trait that we want to consider this morning is that of boldness God wants us to be Bold. Now, the biblical definition, when you look at the word in the Greek, that's often translated bold or boldness, is that the definition is outspokenness, frankness, fearlessness, confidence, assurance, and courage. God is looking for all of those things in his people. And as we have talked about from the beginning about these godly virtues, we're not talking about our personal Traits. We're not talking about personalities. There are people that are naturally bold and frank, and they're not pleasing to the Lord. We need to understand in what things, in what context are we to be bold. 
And so let's begin in Acts 4, and we'll read verses 12 and and 13. First of all, we see that boldness, when people see the, the kind of boldness that God is looking for in us, it's an indication that we are followers of Jesus Christ, that we have learned his ways, that we know what his will is, and that we are boldly walking in that will. In Acts 4 and verses 12 to 13, this was said of the disciples. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter and the disciples were boldly proclaiming this message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, despite the fact that they were standing before men that had the authority to crucify them just as they crucified the Lord. And yet... In their presence, with that threat, they boldly made this statement. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. When we allow God to develop this virtue of boldness in us, this godly boldness, it's going to be a testimony to others that we know Jesus. Like the disciples, we may not have a degree from seminary. We may not be highly educated in the ways of the world, but they're going to notice that there's a power and an authority behind the things that we say and that we do. Now, they may not all accept it, as the leaders, the Jewish leaders did not accept this testimony of Peter and John. But at least they're going to know that there is something in our life that goes beyond who we are naturally in the natural. Proverbs 28 and verse 1. Proverbs 28 and verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues. They're a little paranoid. But the righteous are bold as a lion. There's there's no fear in doing what we know to be the will of God when we are characterized by boldness. Again, we have to understand, in what context are we to be bold? We're not talking about being obnoxious. We're not talking about being hurtful. Some of the things that natural boldness can do. Again, there are people that are naturally bold in a lot of things and in a lot of ways, but not in the will of God. And so in Acts chapter 4, we see specifically... In what area we are to be bold? Acts 4 and verses 29 to 31. Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. Peter and John coming back from having been threatened with their lives to quit preaching in the name of Jesus. Now they come back with the brethren and they have a prayer meeting. And this is what Peter prayed. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The reason we are to be characterized with boldness is that we might boldly speak the will of God and that we might boldly do 
the will of God. This is what godly boldness is for. It's not to be ignorant with our choices. It's not to be reckless with our choices. But it's to be bold to speak the word of God and to do the will of God. This is why God wants to work this in us. If we lack boldness, that if we lack frankness in saying what God says in his word, and if we lack the courage to do what God, what we know God wants us to do, if we lack that, then that results in us being characterized by fear, by uncertainty, by unbelief, by confusion, and ultimately then by sin. That we fall short of doing what God wants us to do when we lack boldness. This is why it's so important for us to recognize that this is something God wants to work in us. That we might boldly speak the word of God to those that we come in contact with without compromise, without watering down the truth. Speaking the truth in love, but speaking it frankly, honestly, openly, and then boldly doing what God wants us to do. Romans chapter 8. That boldness will come as we learn to rest in the love of God for us. Instead of fearing what might happen, we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. This is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Remember what love is all about. It's seeking the best interest of the one that you love. The almighty God, the triune God, is always looking to provide for us what is in our eternal best interest. And who shall separate us from that? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 36 is simply admitting that those things, we do experience those things. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yes, God's people do suffer threats. They do suffer trials, famine, nakedness, perils. All of those things are the experience of many of God's people. And yet, verse 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. That, that's a pretty inclusive list. Basically, it's saying nothing and no one shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty bold statement. We, in these things, in the midst of these things, we are more than conquerors. That's boldness. That's courage. That's fearlessness. Because we know that God is our provider, our protector. We're living in a time when there is more and more pressure on the believer to abandon the teachings of the Bible, to abandon the lifestyle of godliness as it's presented in the scripture, to abandon what the Bible declares to be right and wrong. We're living in a society that is demanding, threatening, Bible-believing Christians to stop it. You're a detriment to society. You are hindering the progress of our nation, of our world, because you believe these things. They're forcing us 
attempting to force us to stop more than ever before. And it's always been essential. But in this day in which we live, it is no less essential that we be bold to speak the word of God and to live it without fear of the threats, without fear of what's going to happen if someone doesn't like what we're saying that's in accordance with the will of God. And always remember that when I talk about being bold to speak the truth, it's always in the context of you speak the truth in love. You speak it with the purpose of trying to help whoever you're speaking to, to know God, first for salvation, if they don't know. And then if it's a child of God, if it's a fellow Christian, you speak the truth not to show them you know more than they do, not to puff up yourself with, look what I know, but in order to bring them into a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might experience experience what you have already experienced in the love of God. Speak the truth in love. Do it boldly. Do it without fear, but do it with the right motive. First Peter 3, and then you leave the results with the Lord. Some people aren't going to like your boldness. Some people are not going to appreciate your frankness. But Peter tells us, he gives us a good exhortation here in First Peter 3, 10 to 17. First Peter chapter 3, verse 10. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. That's that's a good exhortation. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Thank God for the privilege of walking in fellowship when we boldly walk in the will of God. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Well, verse 14 says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. It's a privilege. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. That exhortation still applies for us in this age in which we live. When society is threatening us to stop believing and obeying the will of God. But instead of being afraid, what are we to do? Verse 15. But sanctify the Lord in your heart. Set him apart. Your love and your, your walk with the Lord is more important than anything else. It's more important than trying to win someone's favor by saying what they want you to say. More important than your relationship with your family. More important than your relationship and your position at work. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. Set him apart over and above everything and everyone else. I want to please him, even if I don't please anyone else. I want to please him. And always be ready to give a defense or an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Do it with meekness, and you do it with fear. Read earlier, you do it, or we referenced, that you do it with love. But do it. Having a good conscience. May your life be a testimony to the the reality of the words you're saying. Our testimony as Christians is so essential in our testimony and our witness to others. Having a good conscience. That when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God... 
to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. In the will of God, we can suffer. When we boldly say and do what he wants us to do, there's suffering in this life. But the suffering in the will of God is never without benefit, reward. There's also suffering in sin. Those who promote sin don't tell you that. There's suffering in sin too, but it has no value whatsoever. It only brings scars and loss and death of some kind. Be bold to speak and to do the will of God. Now, some Christians fear themselves and their own limitations. Some people are naturally timid. Can a naturally shy person be bold in a godly sense? Absolutely. Everyone should. Every child of God needs to be. Philippians 4. But if the timid are going to be bold in this godly sense, they need to understand some things. Philippians 4.11. Paul says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, and it's a learning process, but Paul learned in whatever state or condition he was in, in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now these weren't just empty words. Paul, when he was among the Gentiles and the Jewish leaders, the religious of the Jews, he was hated. He was abased. He was beaten. He was thrown into prison like a common criminal. He knew how to be abased. And yet when he was sitting in prison in Philippi, what did he do? He sang the praises of God, the faithfulness of God. He knew God had a plan. He may not have known it at the moment he was singing, but he knew God had a plan. He had learned how to be abased. When he was among God's people that valued the word of God and appreciated the ministry and the place that God had given Paul, they treated him like royalty. They gave him offerings. He knew how to abound too. It didn't matter what condition, what circumstance he was in, he was content to know that he was in the will of God. And then in verse 13, we see his boldness. How could he do that? How could he be content in whatever circumstance? He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, either that's arrogance or it's true. And he just boldly spoke what was true. I believe it's true. And I believe it can be true of you. It can be true of me. Whatever God wants me to do, I can do it. And that's not a boast in myself. It's not a boast in my abilities or my talent. But it is a boast in the faithfulness and the power of God and the Christ in me. I can do it. Oh, well, I've, there's this limitation there. I know I have this tendency. I, I don't have this education. I don't have that talent. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's boldness. Some fear Satan. Well, I, I don't want to, to do what God's asking me to do because I, and, and I've actually heard this said before, specifically about me, that someone said, well, I, I I feel like the Lord's calling me in the ministry, but, but I'm afraid. I don't want to. Look what Brother Doug did. Went to the mission field, and his daughter was born with problems and ultimately died. And, and you know, Satan doesn't like that, and I, I, I don't want to risk that. There are those that actually fear what Satan can do. If you're a child of God, and you're walking by faith, living by faith, your life is not in Satan's hands. It's in God's. And if God allows such tragedies 
as he allowed in my life. It's for his glory and my eternal good. And the eternal good of those that are, that are impacted by the things that God allows in my life. I can do all things. I don't care. I know Satan is powerful. And I am not ignorant of how he works. We shouldn't be ignorant of how he works. Knowing he wants to use every circumstance right now that's causing you to be just a little fearful. You need to understand where that's coming from. That thought, at least. We know how he works. But in 1 John 4, we'll skip down. There's some good advice all the way there. But let's go to verse 4 of that passage. You are of God, little children. I belong to him. God's my father. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Yes, Satan is powerful. Yes, he has a lot of influence in this world. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't fear Satan. Paul, in Philippians 3 and verse 3, you don't have to turn there, but Paul makes a statement there and he says, he was telling the Philippians that, you know, if he wanted to boast in natural things, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He had had the best education as a Jew, as a Pharisee. He had it all. And if he was going to have boldness and confidence in himself, he had all the resume to back it up. But he says in Philippians 3, 3, I have no confidence in the flesh. His boldness was not in his abilities, his education. His boldness was in the love of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the boldness that you and I are to have. Don't, don't trust your abilities, your talents. Don't boast in them. I've known preachers and people that are so talented in so many areas. They just feel superior to other Christians because they have these talents, these abilities. Don't put any confidence in that. Those things can be taken away like that. But nothing and no one can separate me from the love of God. My confidence is in him. My confidence is in the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy chapter 1 verses 6 to 14. I think we'll skip through some of these as well. But we need to, to read this passage in Second Timothy 1 beginning at verse 6. Remember we read there in Acts when, when Peter asked for boldness. What happened? How did God answer that prayer? He sent the Holy Spirit, didn't he? Filled them. And then they were able to do what, what Peter had asked God for, to, the ability to boldly speak the word of God. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit, not your ability, not your talent, not your education, not your intelligence. It's by the Holy Spirit that you'll be able to boldly speak to others about what the word of God declares to be true. So that means we have to learn to depend on him, don't we? We have to learn to call upon God. To give us that anointing. In verse 7 of that passage there in Second Timothy 1. Verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, that is of timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter your intelligence. It doesn't matter your position in society. If you receive... The ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit, he is going to give you power to do what you need to do. The ability to do what you need to do. He, he's going to give you that attitude of love. He's not a spirit of fear, 
but a spirit of power to do the will of God, a spirit to be a channel of the love of God, and he will give you a sound mind. You'll be able to know the will of God, understand what's right and what's wrong, because the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. This is why we need to surrender to the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to jump down to verse 14 of that same passage, that good thing which was committed to you, Paul said to Timothy, keep guard by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. We can be bold because we've been given the Holy Spirit. Now we need to learn to walk in the Spirit. Prayer is an important part of this process. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. If you want God to work this trade in you, you're going to have to spend some time in prayer. Go to the source of this godly virtue of boldness. Ephesians 6.18. Paul, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. It sounds like there's some effort to be put forth here. Do we take time? I, this week I've added some prayer altars to give more room and be more inviting for those who would like to spend more time around the altars before or after services. We have kneeling pads as well under each altar. Take advantage of that time, but, but beyond that, beyond the, the public time that you have, in your private prayer life, ask the Lord to develop this virtue in you. And Paul says in verse 19, And for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth, how? Boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. If you want to be bold, you're going to have to spend some time in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit, asking God to give you the Holy Spirit and that fresh anointing to be able to do the will of God and to speak it. In Ephesians 3, we need to spend time in the Word if we're going to be bold. When you read passages like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's going to make you bold. When you believe it, when you receive it, when you read passages in the Word of God, I'm more than a conqueror. Even in the midst of my trials, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in Ephesians 3.8, he says, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul was not bold in his flesh. He was not confident in his flesh, but understood it was the grace of God that gave him this opportunity. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This revelation that was given to Paul, it gives us boldness. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul had taught them, taught the Ephesians, this mystery that had been revealed to him, revealing who Christ is and what he accomplished for us on the cross, and that message that we have recorded for us in Paul's writings. You read it, you believe it, 
you can't help but be bold. You have nothing to be ashamed of because you know what's true and you know what's right. We can be bold now concerning our present situation and we can be bold in the future. Just a couple of quick familiar passages. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When I read that and I believe it, do you see how it takes the fear out of doing the will of God? Some people are afraid to give their tithe and their offering to the Lord. Well, what if I don't have enough? And my God shall supply all your need. You obey his instruction and his word. He'll give you what you need when you need it. Have that confidence, that boldness, that assurance. Do the will of God without fear in every area. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so whatever I'm going through presently that would cause me to fear, that would cause me to maybe back off from doing what I know God wants me to do, I don't have to worry about it because I know in and through that thing, God is working something good for me for eternity. And I don't have to know what it is to be bold. I just have to know that this statement is true. What about the future? Romans 8, we read that already. Verse 38 there of Romans 8. Nor things present, nor things to come. I'm glad that's in there. Sometimes we can look at life and you can look back and say, yeah, God's been faithful up to this point and, you know, I'm doing pretty good. But, but what about this situation? What, what about tomorrow? What, what, if, what if this happens? And all the what ifs. Anybody ever been tormented by the what ifs laying in bed at night? I've had some battles along that line. What if this happens? What if someone responds this way? What if, what if, what if? And it just robs you of your sleep of your peace and of your joy. Nor things present, nor things to come can separate me from the love of God. That's it. Believe it. Be bold. First John 4, verse 17 talks about having boldness in the day of judgment. This is why we can be bold even when we're facing our own mortality. Death. We don't have to even fear that, that ugly, cruel enemy of man. Death. I can be bold. I don't fear the wrath of God. Not because I think I'm good enough to get into heaven, but because I believe in the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who saved me, who keeps me, and who's one day coming back for his purchased possession. We can have boldness even when facing death. Knowing that all of these things are true, do you see how it's going to cause you to be able to, to be characterized by boldness rather than fear or timidity in doing the will of God. And again, that, I'm not talking about changing your personality. You can still be naturally timid and shy and yet still be godly in your boldness to do and to say the will of God. And when you do that and when people see that there is something that's more than just you there, like the enemies of Peter and John, they're going to say, you know, there's something different here. They've been with Jesus. They know something that they didn't just know on their own. There's a power there. There's a, there's a confidence that they shouldn't have, but they do. That's what I want people to see in my life. When I boldly speak the word of God with love, but frankness, honesty, openness, and then to do to be a living example of that same truth. Let's have a 
song in closing.